Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Today, we have Alan Lesher, President and CEO of YMCA of the Inland Northwest. Thanks for uh, coming on our show. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about your work. What's, go- what's going on? What's going <laughs> on at the Y? Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. I really appreciate that. The, you know, we've got, after going through COVID with the YMCA, there's, you know, we feel like it's just like a, a reemergence of, of everything. But, um, you know, if I could, I'll start with a little history on the Y. Please. You know, because our YMCA, make sure I'm close enough to the mic, our YMCA, we serve Eastern Washington and Northern Idaho. And we've been in operation since 1884. And what that means is we are the oldest nonprofit in this community. I so didn't know that. I learned something new. We're, we're older than the city. We're older than the state. We're older than, than Gonzaga University. Um, they all came real, real close behind us, but, but we were there first. Uh, our mission is to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body. And our purpose is to give everyone a safe place to learn, grow, and thrive. And so what that means for us is we have three areas of impact. We have youth development, healthy living, and social responsibility. And we, through our, our areas of impact, you know, we try to make sure that we nurture all of the children and all of the teens in the community, that we're doing, taking steps to make everyone in our nation healthier and have a better, you know, better wellness. And then also, we want to create opportunities for our neighbors to help each other. And so we do that through a lot of our volunteer work. What kind of volunteer work are you doing? I guess I wasn't uh, really aware of that part of the organization. Well, we we have a lot of volunteers that actually work within our organization, whether that be through our fundraisers or through some of our programs, in our childcare programs, for example. We'll have we'll have a lot of volunteers. We also have an AmeriCorps Seniors retired retired senior and volunteer program, and with that, we help match volunteers in the community retired folks with other entities that need volunteer help. And so awesome. that's, that's one that that's kind of a hidden, a hidden gem for us. And then they also do other things at, at the RSVP. We have our project warm up where we collect, um, there's knitted caps, gloves, blankets, and things like that. And we share those with the community as well. Well, yeah, that is a hidden gem. Shoot, if you're yeah taking experienced volunteers and yeah partnering with other organizations, that collaboration, shoot, that's how we can you know really make uh, an impact. Well, and and a lot of times you have individuals that want to help. It's just finding a way to let them do that. So we we try to we try to help with that. And as far as our why goes, you know we're one of 800 associations in the United States. And we're a member of the YMCA of the USA. And so they provide a lot of services to our organization. And for us, that means we can have, you know, shared services, a lot of assistance with program development. We share a lot when we talk about building a new program or building a new building. We're able to access the knowledge of those 800 
entities to, to do that work. That's awesome. So if something's working really good in another part of the country, there's that mechanism to share. It is. We have a lot of peer groups um, for each of our programs in our aquatics program. For example, there's peer groups around just the state and the country. Because there's about, of the 800 organizations, there's 14 associations in the state of Washington. And so we have what we call the Alliance of YMCAs. And we do a lot of work, particularly during, during the COVID environment. We were able to all band together to you know, find out what resources the communities needed. Hunger, hunger was a big thing. Um, the learning labs, those ideas were able to, one of us would develop that and then we would share it throughout the state. And so now all of a sudden you're serving kids all, all across the state and ultimately the country. That, that feels really good to be a part of. It, you know, it was real helpful. There was, there was a few rough days. And to <laughs> Only have, a few, right? To, to, have, to have those other organizations to, to lean on and, and kind of help each other out was, was just incredible. And it's, and it's what it makes, what really makes us unique, I think, amongst a lot of the nonprofits, because our YUSA is, a, it's a very robust organization. Well, I know I, I love the Y. I'm a product of the Y um, from the youth programs. Yeah. So not only did I learn how to swim, you know, in the old building in Riverfront Park, but I was part of those day programs, you know, all summer long. My parents, you know, uh, plugged me into the different programs and I, I know it affected me in a positive way. And, you know, it definitely kept me out of trouble in the summer because uh, I was, good. yeah, which is, that is good. And uh, getting to learn about our community, you know, seeing how to handle conflict when it happened. I'm, I, there's multiple moments that I remember during those times that shaped me into the person I am today. And I just, I, I love those programs. Well, and I always, I always love talking to people who know a little, have a little broader knowledge of the why, because, you know, so many people think of the why as, well, they're, they're that group that has the gym or they give swim lessons or, oh yeah, they have, they have a basketball program or a volleyball program, but they don't realize that we have those day camp programs too. We have Camp Reed up north, which is an iconic camp in this community. Um, you know, the, all of our early learning, we have three early learning sites that we're operating. We have two here in Spokane and we have one out in Cheney. We partner with Eastern Washington University. So we're doing a lot of that work. Youth sports, we're the, we're the yep. largest provider of youth sports in this area. Um, and, you know, just going back to the swim lessons, we give more swim lessons in, than anyone else in this country. And we also, in terms of our, our daycare, our early learning programs, we serve more kids than anyone else in the country. And so that's, that's some pretty big stuff. But then we also have some work that, that a lot of people aren't as familiar with in, in terms of our chronic disease prevention and management programs. We partner with CHAZ for our Pathways to Wellness program. We have our pedal for Parkinson's. We have Live Strong at the YMCA. And so we're helping individuals with Parkinson's. We're helping cancer survivors who, in, in a lot of cases, if you're receiving cancer treatment, you, you get to a certain point, it's like, okay, you're in remission. It's, you can go now. And then even with our Pathways to Wellness program, working with CHAZ, we take individuals who we're looking for a different path for them to wellness. Wellness to other to different people means different things. And so we find out what that journey is. And through their, their medical care team works with our YMCA coaches 
and we take them through an eight to 10 week program. But then at the end of that, they still have the resources over at CHAS and they still have access to the YMCA programs. We even, you know, we provide discounted memberships for those individuals to make sure because in, at times those individuals would be low income and, and sure. that way they can continue on that wellness journey. So we, we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, helping people thrive. Well, I don't know why I'm surprised. Exactly. Like the oldest nonprofit in Spokane, why wouldn't you be, you know, integrated in just so many different areas of our community? Um, I definitely, I, I think our listeners certainly love to hear some of that. Well, let's hear about you, you know. Alan, where'd you, how, when did you come to Spokane? You know, where'd you grow up? Really? I'm just, I'm a, I'm a Spokane product. All right. You know, born and raised, stayed here, looked at leaving, but I, you know, I went through, I'm in Spokane. We always talk about where to go to high school. I went to North Central High School and then I went on to Spokane Falls Community College. Got a, got a two year AA degree there. And then I moved on to Eastern and graduated with a, with a degree in business and professional accounting. So I accountant by trade, huh? I'm an accountant by trade. I'm a finance guy. I like, I like the numbers side of things. Well, and then I, I left college and got into public accounting. So I was an auditor for several years with BDO Seedman and which is an international organization. And, and after that, I went to work for a client and they were a wholesale florist here in based in Spokane, but we served five States. So we had, we imported product from all over the world. And then we transported it on refrigerated trucks over this five-state region. And so, so it, was, it was pretty fun. It gave me some great experience. And it also gave me an opportunity to work with individuals from all over the world. Because we were, right. we were importing from, I mean, you can just about name the countries. And we probably brought something in from that country. And so you, you learned a lot about working with different cultures during that work. After about 18 years of that, I just decided, you know, there's, there's, there's got to be something else out there. My, my wife was in real estate. This was about 2008. Okay. Things, yeah. We all things, know what happened then. Things, things are going great. Yeah. They're rolling. So I said, Hey, you know, maybe it's time for a career change. And so, so yeah, she's like, Oh yeah, just do it. And so I, I just up and quit my job and then I'm going to take a year to figure out what I'm going to do. Well, 2009 <laughs> came you know, your, your realtor wife all of a sudden isn't selling a lot of houses, banking's collapsing and people are becoming unemployed. And, and I was just living up at the lake in a swimsuit and flip flops. And my wife is, she'd call and she'd be like, you know, I, th- I think you probably ought to come home and look for a job. <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be out. fine. It's still 90 degrees outside. And, fall hasn't and come fall yet. Fall hasn't come yet. Don't worry about it. Well, it, then you start watching and things did actually start getting a little worse. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, maybe I, I better come home. But, but that it allowed me a lot of time to reflect. And so so my my goal was then to find work with a nonprofit. And I knew at this time with, with everything going on in the economy, that's probably not going to be an, an easy task. So one day I decided to... He got up in the morning. It's like, well, my wife's, where are you going? So I'm going to go get a suit for interviews. She's, well, how many, what interview do you have? I said, I don't have any, but I'm going to need but a it's suit. Coming. But I'm going to need a suit, you know? So just, oh, I'm confident I'm going to, yes. going to. Well, and this is, this is where it became a God thing because 
as I was walking out of that suit store, a friend of mine, Rick Gaunt, that we had done business with over the years, he comes walking into the store. At that time, he was, he was looking for work. And I told him I was going to start looking for work. We talked about what, what are you looking for? I told him about my, my nonprofit dreams. I'll watch for you. You watch for me. About a week later, Rick calls me and he says, there's a job at the YMCA that I think you would be perfect. They're getting ready to build some new buildings. And they're, they're looking at this crazy expansion. And I had worked in acquisitions when I was in the wholesale business. He says, I think you ought to give this guy, Rick Riggins, a call. So I did, and long, long story a little shorter than, but I, I had a job in almost no time at all in, in this crazy environment. And that's right. I say it's a God thing. Yeah. Three, three minutes, one way or another, I wouldn't have seen Rick. I wouldn't no. have heard of this job. I didn't even know that much about the YMCA at the time because I, I was a North Side kid, and it just, it just all worked out. So I came in and, and started out under the CFO who was going to be retiring within a year, took over that role. And I did that for 11 years and then transitioned to the role of CEO a couple of years ago during, during COVID. Incredible. Yeah. So. That, that, those moments, I I'm really curious, uh, to know more about the, the moment for you during reflection and, you know, you're up at the lake. What really drew you to the nonprofit space? Well, you know, I think we had, we had, as a family, had been pretty fortunate. And so, you know, that provides you an opportunity to say, I don't, I don't have to just look at this from a financial standpoint. So you, you then all of a sudden that, that provides a lot broader opportunity scope. You can, then that's when you can say, okay, what, what do I want to do? And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in nonprofit, but I knew that, I developed a lot of skills in the for-profit world that I thought would translate into the nonprofit. Hundred kind of percent. I'll, I'll figure that part out. I just need to get in the door somewhere. Well, I I just love that journey. I think about even myself. You know, I was in the sales world for a long time, and it's all medical devices. And my brother kept telling me, saying, "Steve, you really should be looking at the nonprofit space." And I'd laugh at him. I'm like. Eh. What's that? And uh, I just didn't know that, you know, what happens when you are in service to others and the the transformations, you know, that can take place. Um, I know at least personally, it was just a, it was a different person on the other side of that when it was, you know, instead of profit driven, but, you know, people driven, mission driven. It's a great moment. We, we call that transformational rather than transactional because that's really what when when you come to the why that's really what you have to learn to do and and they did here's here's this finance guy he's a numbers guy and it's like okay you you need to look at things differently and i was fortunate to have mentors that that were able to help with that and why usa has an incredible training program for organizational leaders so I jumped into that program early on, but I think probably the the turning point once I got to the Y, I, th- I think the real turning point was I don't know it was probably two three years into this, and and I'd already started some of the training programs, and but we were going out into the community into into different households, different demographics, 
and just having conversations, groups of three of us in, in leadership and just talking and finding out what, what, what does the why mean to you? How can the why help you? And I'll never forget this because it was a, it was a family and they had, they had two children and, and the little girl's probably five years old and, and she was trying to, trying to get our attention as we're talking right. to mom and dad and she's getting a little restless and she said, can, can you read me a book? You read me a book as well. Let's just sit off to the side here and kind of read and listen at the same time. And, and she kept telling me how she had had a, a cheeseburger for dinner. Awesome. Yeah. You're like, Great. okay. That's good. And she kept telling me over and over again. So, so as we're getting ready to leave, I said, boy, that must've been a great cheeseburger. She's, she's told me about this dozen times. And, and her mom just looked at me and she said, well, we, we didn't have cheeseburger. Or I said, cheeseburger last night. She said, well, we didn't have cheeseburgers last night. She said, that was like two or three weeks ago, but we don't get cheeseburgers around here very often. And that was very special to the kids. And it just, I, I still have trouble telling the story because I still see this little girl's face and, and she was so proud of it. She wanted to share it. And it was, it was something that made her happy. And I think she thought by sharing that story, it made other people happy. And I just, I, I just went back and said, I, I, th I think I get what we're doing now. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to help every kid get a cheeseburger, but one of the, one of the things as CEO that is really one of my personal passions is, is our hunger initiatives. And so we're, you know, we're expanding our gardens. We're reopened our greenhouse and we have some, some great staff that are, that are making that happen. And they've taken a lot of the food that we're producing now and they're feeding the kids in our early learning center with those, that produce that we're growing. And so the kids are participating in the process, seeing, seeing how that produce grows and then sitting down family style meals and having salads and things. And, and so it's just and really good quality food, very good quality food. They're, they're eating better once in a while. They'll bring us some and say, here, we want you to see what the, the kids over early learning are eating. And they're like, I, I'm not eating this great at home. This is fabulous stuff. Alan, thank you so much for sharing that story because I, yeah. I can just see it right there. You're there and it just, yep, you, you're like, okay, here I am. I'm going to help. And your skills yeah. definitely transfer. I mean, shoot, look what the YMCA here, you know, in the Inland Northwest has done uh, since you, you know, came on board. Like there's a massive expansion. Your reach just in the physical buildings has, has changed. It's, you know, it's changed immensely because we started, well, back in 2008, we just had two buildings. We had the old building downtown that, you, that yeah. you're familiar with, and, and that's where I started. And I, I still love that building, but, but a lot cool. of people thought it was maybe aged out, needed to be replaced. It so had we, you know, streams going in the basement, it, right? It, it did. We had a, a beaver that lived <laughs> down underneath, and they would pull a piece of plywood out for the new guys. And you'd, they'd be like, look in there, there's a beaver. It's like, there's no beaver. Well, 
there's a beaver in there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they'd be like, told ya. And then you'd go back, well, hey, there's a beaver. And everybody's like, yeah, I, I know there's a beaver. So it was, you know, it was those kinds of things brought a lot of character. But, but so we were at about 250 employees then. Then 2009, we started opening our new buildings. And all of a sudden, we went from 250 employees to about 750 employees, which that, you know, there, that brought some strain on just from a cultural standpoint. Oh, absolutely. Because we, we now had a, we had this group of 250 people and, and many of them had been with the Y for years. They were, they were Y loyalists. And then all of a sudden you bring in 500 new people who all think they, they know what's going on. And the other people think, no, you don't know anything. And so, so we had to work through, you know, establishing that culture with that new group of folks. And just in physically in another location too. That's going to be hard. Another location, a yeah. lot larger size staffs because those buildings were bigger. And so that, and that kind of was a, was a catalyst, I think, because then in 2016, we then went and purchased the Gold's Gym. And then in 2018, we purchased an athletic center up in Sandpoint. And so we have a location there now. And then we just in 2021 opened our third uh, early learning center up on the south hill so we've had that going and then then just recently we purchased an additional 15 what will be 18 acres of land up on the south side of town about a mile away from our existing facility so to have uh, one of uh, additional services for that community well that you know we back in 2009, when we opened our new buildings, nobody really wanted anything that looked like our old building built in their neighborhood. They're like, yeah, sure. don't, we don't want one of those. But once we built the new buildings, all of a sudden, communities started coming to us saying, what, what can we do to have something like that? They're beautiful. They're, they're amazing. You're doing some just fabulous work. And so that's really what triggered our work on the South Side but we took us took us about five years to figure out how to operate the new buildings that we had, and then we started doing some some market studies up on the south side to say, you know, if we were to bring a Y in its programs, what programs would you want? Um, and and we tested a few different sites, and the response was just overwhelming that you know, we we want a Y up here, and so we started looking for land, but land. Land up in South Spokane is a little hard to come by. We, Certainly. You need city services to operate your pools and things like that. And your footprint is, you know, Foot, it's not small. big. It takes it a minimum 10 acres. You, 15 is better. And so, yeah, there wasn't, there just wasn't a lot available. And so that's when we decided to work with the owners of Gold's Gym and see if we could work a deal and purchase that so we could establish that started doing some work. We were doing some, not just with the gym facility, but also bringing our teen leaders programs up there and some day camp programs and other things too. So we could start bring the, bring the mission footprint and expand that. And so that's, it's, it's worked really well, but the community has not been real happy about the fact that we don't have a pool. Uh, when are we getting a pool? The kids, the kids uh-huh. love the pool. And there's an aquatic center. Who doesn't not love far. a pool? <laughs> I know. And there's an aquatic center not far from the from the parcel that we just purchased, but that's more of a summertime 
facility. It's not year round. Right. It's kind of the splash pad. I know the yeah. spot you're talking yeah. about. So it's, you know, and, and that's great, but, but it, it just wasn't going to be enough. And we, we didn't really have a way of expanding that property. So, that, so that we were approached after, after I took over, we were approached again by the Bauer family who, who's been farming that land since the thirties. And they said, Hey, would, you know, would you want to, you want to talk about that? And we had talked to them some time ago and it just didn't work. And they said, would you want to revisit that? The timing was right. And we said, Oh, absolutely. And so as we, as we started talking about this, we, we started looking at, okay, what, what's going to appeal to the community and, you know, what are, what are they going to want to see that this open space was, that was huge. They're, they're used to anybody that lives up Brown's mountain, you go out on your deck with a cup of coffee and you look down, there's this beautiful farmland and sure it's a little dusty a couple, couple weeks out of the year when they're harvesting, sure. but, but that's all part of it. And they love that. And then there's this red barn sitting on that property too. And so we started, we started talking with them about what's important. They also wanted to leave a bit of a legacy to the community and felt like they could do something besides just put houses on that property. Heck yeah. And so they're like, that, that's why we're talking this, you, what you're doing is important. And so that just one thing led to another. We started talking about, you know, we, we have community gardens, we have greenhouses and, and as farmers, they, they love that concept. It's like, we, you know, if we had enough space, we could do something like that up here. And so as those talks progressed, it's like, well, what if we could set aside 15 acres as a conservation easement and basically set that up so there's never development on that property and have that right next to this, this Y complex. And, and it was like, this is, this is beautiful. And then we started talking about having a series of, of trails throughout paved trails. So they would be accessible for everyone. Cause as we, as we build facilities or operate programs, we're all about making sure that everybody can, can take advantage of those. You know, we have, we offer financial assistance. We don't want anybody to miss out on a Y program due to the inability to pay. We also don't want a series of gravel trails that people perhaps are going to have trouble maneuvering through. And so this just one thing led to another. And when, well, then it came down to the red barn, the red barn's a problem because half of the people that live up on the South side of town have had their graduation pictures, prom pictures, you name it, taken in front of this <laughs> red right. barn, which unfortunately the red barn is like right in the middle of the property and, right where, yeah, this and it's, amazing facility needs it's, to be. It's, it's exactly where the, the facility needs to be. And, and so we started talking about that. And what we're planning to do there is we can repurpose a lot of the timbers out of that barn. So we'll, we'll disassemble that barn, take those timbers out, and then build a gazebo, which we think is a, is a pretty big win for the community. It's not a red barn. But at the same time, it, it will now be another space where they can go for graduation pictures, for prom pictures, for wedding pictures, and, and they can enjoy it. And, and the thing we really like about this is everybody in this area, if, if that were to be fully developed, only the person who purchased that home would be able to, to take advantage of that quarter acre, for example. Yep. 
But this way, everybody's going to be able to take advantage of that. What's going on in that 15 acres and then the adjacent 15 acres. And then the 30 acres next to that parcel, uh, Paris Homes just purchased that. And so they've been working with us. And George Paris has been great. It's like, hey, how do we how do we all work together? This trail system. It's like this is you know this is so important. And so I so see we're starting to together. hey we can we can piece this all together and make this a you know just make this a larger. I, I refer to it as a compound because it's you know there's just going to be so much to it. It's a good word. I mean, it started as pretty building, right? That we pretty. want on our part of you know Spokane, and all of a sudden it's like you're paying homage to the history. Uh, bringing more programs to the South Hill, and then integrating between, you know, the the community, the potential new growth, and what you offer. How cool! Yeah, we're we're pretty excited about it. So, and and we're also looking at at a building design. Normally, when we design one of our buildings, we, as you as you know, that they, they're big, and they look big, and up there, they're there's a mountain there people live on that mountain and they're going to be looking down on this and and so we think that really a a a smaller perspective on that property is going to make more sense and so we're looking at how do we how do that that lot is sloped so how do we how do we kind of build into that to make a bit of that building almost disappear from the from the street side and so we've you know we're just kind of now playing around with that if that's not and, partnership i don't know what it is that's just you know thinking about all aspects how your organization you know collaborates and integrates i just it's impressive and i think other you know our listeners thanks, people thanks. who are running businesses people who are a part of nonprofits, like let's watch this model because this is how you have sustainability it's how you are the oldest you know organization in spokane and i just I think I definitely appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and I think, you know, that right now as we're talking to members of the community and working with the homeowners associations up there, everybody's like, well, how, how quickly are you going to get this built? And there's really, a, it's a, it's a <laughs> long process and we're looking at, at about five years. Yeah. It's a Herculean effort. It's, well, and well, and with wise, we, we don't come in and just say, okay, this is what we're building. You know, and we know what's best. We spend a lot of time meeting with the community, talking to them about about looking at the demographics of that of that community. What services do they need? What things do they not need in that facility? I mean, you know, what's going to speak to them? And then we start the design from there. And so the people have said, well, "Can I see a design?" It's like, "Well, we don't have a design because we haven't we haven't talked to the community yet to know exactly what to put in that building." Yeah, we're still we, listening. We we kind of just said, okay, we we have a building that's going to need to be about this big, and so will that fit on this property? And and how would that go? Because we know we want to leave this conservation easement property and not touch that. Well, I know our listeners and myself included. We're going to look forward to see how that continues to progress. Uh, you know, look into the future. Where? What else is your organization working on that you know you'd like us to know about? A lot of a lot of the work that we're going to be doing is going to be in our chronic disease prevention and management area. You know, we're hoping to have more of the partnerships with the healthcare providers because that's that's really an area, and that's another reason that appeals to us with having so much open space 
on this this new facility and possibly using some more of what we have in the others too we need we need to get kids outside we need to get kids healthier you know there it's 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 a, a an issue that's affecting all of us as kids are just not as healthy as they used to be and so we we need to address that and we also need to take individuals you know in the community who don't have access to the resources and figure out ways to to connect them there's there's people that don't feel comfortable coming into to gyms I'm not, sure. I'm not a gym person and and so what what does that look like and so we need to do a lot more of that work the the work we're doing with you know the cancer survivors we we're only limited by the amount of money we have in doing that work because there's a lot there's of a lot of them and and you know we've also expanded that work too to we have camp good times up at camp reed and that's a week long camp for kids who've been in cancer treatment and and either a sibling or a friend where they come to camp for a week and we have a medical staff that are up there it's, you know to make sure there's no issues and they just get to come be a kid for a week and we just in covid you know covid there's there's some bright spots in covid and we had to we couldn't we couldn't have kids at camp during covid and so we created some virtual formats and uh did anything when, come out of that part that like it, helped you for programming in the future it did because now you can have these programs that still allow the kids to get to camp but then also those kids that perhaps particularly with with those affected by cancer they may have planned on going to camp and now they're they're up at the hospital again mm-hmm. and so they can still have a way of participating as well and especially for those that have already been there they know what it's like so they're going to they're going to see camp and and it's going to be familiar to them we expanded this year instead of having the kids just come up because there's still a lot of of kids that are not really getting out too much this is a this is a very you know very exposed population in terms of of their their immune systems sure. and so what we did find that they would do though is the parents would bring them along and so we had we changed to a family camp format and that was that was just out of necessity because we wanted to make sure and run the camp but it, by the time we were done there these families are going you know we haven't we haven't had a week vacation in years because everybody's been focused on this cancer treatment so these kids brothers sisters they all got to come they had their cabin and they got to do everything that camp kids get to do and now we're struggling with do we do we go back to the old way do we do it this way do we split the week yeah the hybrid do we have a hybrid because we didn't we didn't realize that that would be so incredibly popular you know, and that's a partnership with Community Cancer Fund. They provide the majority of the funding for that week of camp. And so we're, we're talking to them and we're trying to get some feedback from the medical providers and the families to, to figure that out. Well, how impactful, I can just imagine, yeah, someone in their family working through that, just being able to kind of check out for a moment in a very safe place a beautiful place it's the best place on earth yeah <laughs> no, i was always yeah. jealous of my friends who got to go to camp reed i never did yeah i didn't either 
But, okay. I get, but I get up there every Fellow chance. Spokane people. Every, All right. every chance I get, now I go. So. Yeah, I can imagine so. Well, I, I'm real curious. I know our listeners would be curious, too. It's like, w- w- you've been in Spokane a long time. This is home, a product of Spokane. Like, w- what are you excited about in the direction that we're going as a community? Anything that's like, you want us to know? You know, we're, we're so lucky to live in Spokane. I, I, I know you're a leadership Spokane grad. I just graduated from leadership Spokane. I'll, you know, shameless plug there. Anybody that has an opportunity to participate in that program. Amazing program. Really should. I mean, great way to learn about servant leadership. But but we have that. You know, GSI, all the work they're doing, it's, it's just amazing. The Riverfront Park, We I, I was last year friends of mine came to town from Tacoma. And so I, you know, it's, it's that you don't pay attention to what's going on in your backyard as closely as you should. They stayed downtown. It's like, Hey, we're going to, let's get together. We're going to, we're going to spend some time at the park. And, and they're like, and, and I was seeing things that I hadn't seen because they were all new because right. they've done such a great job of expanding and, you know, and, and advancing the work there. But it was like, this, this is amazing. And I think we, we all need to understand that that's something to be valued, appreciated, supported. Um, Riverside State Park, my wife and I, we live not far from there. So we spend a lot of time walking the dogs and, you know, it's just hanging out down by the river. And that's, you know, that's just another gem. So it's, you know, we just really need to, to do what we can to take care of these spaces and, and make sure people know about them. I, I did get a rude awakening. Tell us during, more. During COVID, I, there's a section of Please Flats down at Riverside State Park where that's where they access the river and get yep. out. And, and hardly anybody used that. It was, it was like a, the, the greatest place. And then COVID strikes, and all of a sudden, the parking lot's full every day. Oh. And I'm like, Why, what, how, do we, how do we get rid of these people? <laughs> My wife's like, I, you know, I think this really is intended for everyone to use. I said, yeah, but it was our, but it was our thing. It was our secret it spot. It was our secret spot. And, and it's not secret anymore. And, and you do ever since then, you see a lot more people taking advantage of that and, uh, and really just appreciating it. Well, great points. And yeah, Alan, we so appreciate you being on this, uh, podcast with us. And I'm just uh, curious, any parting thoughts you'd want us to know? Parting thoughts. I think the big one is get out, take advantage of this community, you know, support, support the local vendors, support the local restaurants. Let's, you know, let's get a Y membership. Definitely want a Y membership. But, but I think it's, you know, we just need to get back out there and start taking care of each other, supporting each other and, and just kind of really jump starting this, this community. Because everything's there. We just need to start taking advantage of it again. Alan, thank you. Really appreciate you being here. I, I appreciate you having me. This has just been great. <laughs>